does sports in a way prepare you? If you look at sports and you've played so much of them, Captain of Yale, you have great disappointments, you have great highs, you have great lows, you have victories, you have defeats. Yeah. Well, political life, nothing is tougher than the political life, and you've been in all areas of it. That's right. Are there similarities? Yeah. I mean, did you ever say to yourself, geez, this isn't a hell of a lot different than what, what I faced? It prepares you for real life. It teaches you to a lot about the uh, real life, real, real living. So you probably recognize that second voice as President uh, George Bush, Bush the Senior, doing an interview in the Rose Garden and uh, at the White House. But the interviewer, do you recognize the interviewer's voice? You may, if you grew up around here, recognize the voice of Upton Bell, who will be our guest today on the Boston Podcast. This is David Yaz from Morgan Stanley, your host per usual and in just moments. You'll hear a terrific interview with Upton Bell, and you probably know the name because Upton has been around Boston sports in one way or another for decades, but you're going to hear a lot of things that you didn't realize. You're going to hear Upton tell the story of how the New England Patriots actually became the New England Patriots as opposed to the Boston Patriots or the Bay State Patriots because it happened on his watch, which uh, I bet you didn't know. And uh, we'll hear all about Upton's career in football, some thoughts on um, football today. And you'll also hear how Upton is uh, coming back from a very serious car accident he had this year. And in fact, as uh, we interviewed with him, he looked terrific, but, but he's still having a, a little bit of a tough time getting around. And Upton was, was real lucky to walk away from that, uh, that accident. And, and to be clear, he didn't literally walk away from it. It took um, uh, a couple of months of recovery, but it's remarkable how well he's doing now. Great talk with Upton Bell. We thank you for joining us, as usual, on the Boston Podcast. And, you know, do us a favor, and whether you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're listening, click click like, click subscribe, or click whatever it is that uh, indicates your approval of the show. Um, we've had some terrific guests Recently, we've had Bob LaBelle, we've had Mike Dukakis, we've had uh, Chuck Hogan, author of uh, the movie The Town. Take a listen back on, on some of those episodes, and I assure you, you will not be disappointed. We want to provide uh, conversations with Boston icons so you can hear their war stories, and we hope we're delivering on that. Uh, you will hear uh, my voice on this podcast and that of Max Perlman from the law firm of Hirsch Roberts. Uh, here, in, here in Boston, and um, Sarah Worley, our co-host, couldn't join us on this particular episode, but don't worry, she'll be back, she'll be back, kids. Uh, if you want to book a guest for the Boston Podcast, shoot me an email, David, L-Y-A-S, at gmail.com, or be so brazen as to give me a call or shoot me a text, 781-820-1027. Hope you're surviving the heat in Boston this week, and kids, please enjoy the show. This one's for you, Boston. Boston's a different city than it was 20 years ago. The hope rises again, and the dream lives on. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. The world will return to this great American city to run harder than ever and to cheer even louder. This is our f***ing city. It's our city. It's our podcast, it's our community, it's our world, it's our kind of summer here. 
Happy summer, everybody. This is David Yaz from Morgan Stanley, your host as usual of the Boston Podcast. And we're here with, um, well, I'm here, of course, with my compadre, Max Perlman. And uh, we're at his office at Hirsch Roberts. How are you feeling, my friend? It's great to be here, a whole 15 feet from my office. Yeah, well, right. That's right. Got it's any just, tips? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that voice you hear should be a familiar one to you if you're familiar with media at all in this town. It's Upton Bell. He's been a friend of mine for a while, and he was kind enough to, to join us today. And um, we promised you Boston icons, and we delivered today, as, as far as I'm concerned. Max, do you agree? This is one I've been looking forward to for a long time. So Upton, first of all, we were just talking about Upton is, is the new comeback kid here. You, you were in, um, you look great, as far as we're concerned. You you're, um, were in a serious car accident. When was that? January the 23rd week before the Super Bowl, and I just finished doing an interview, interview with Jim Browdy mm -hmm. at New England Cable News at the time on uh, Tom Brady and Deflategate. Right. And I will say this right now, mm -hmm. pre-accident, I said that night, and I still maintain today, that Brady knew all along about this. He knew it for seven years. I said all of this, it's all on the record at New England Cable News, and I said also, he and Manning were the two babies that went in and insisted the league make the balls to these dimensions. Right. So wait a minute, how, uh, did, Mr. how did Tom Brady then cause this car accident that you were in shortly after <laughs> saying it's very, You see what happens very in the city? upsetting. I left there <laughs> with steam coming out my ears yeah. and actually headed down Route 2, it was early, 6.30 at night, Took a took a turn, must have hit a patch of ice. And by the way, this is all I've never seen it. I don't want to see it. It's on YouTube. The accident because Channel Five had a helicopter. I don't know whether they called the EMTs or not, but the car turned over essentially three times, and I ended up upside down. And they uh, dragged me out. I don't remember any of that. And as a result, I ended up with 39 fractures of my spine. I end up with my um, neck broken in two places. Every one of my ribs uh, were, were uh, smashed, cracked, fractured, and a severe concussion. And by the way, jumping around a little bit on that That's too, right. yeah. I told doctors and everybody else I can come in contact after spending maybe three weeks in a room with the blinds drawn, because when you have a severe, I'd never had a concussion before, at least that I know of. Mm -hmm. There is no way uh, that I could have come back if I was a football player, and I really question even two weeks, even with all the tests they give them now, yeah. even when they send them back in the game. I, I had severe headaches. Uh, I could not really think that well. Uh, it, was, uh, it was from the time of the accident till maybe three weeks into it, uh, it was a complete blur. Uh, and and I, I will say, and now because I had first-hand knowledge, I don't care what the National Football League says. I don't care what the doctors say. Uh, they can take a look at the cadavers and the brains, but there's no way that somebody uh, uh, can recover totally that brain. I, th I think I'm all right. I might never be. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm still sane enough to wrap uh, David Ortiz, the most uh, <laughs> the most selfish athlete in Boston history. <laughs> wow! But but it's a bold statement. We've uh, had it a lot. I'll yeah. back it up. Okay. <laughs> but but the thing is that 
It reminded me what happens to football players. But anyway, I survived it. And as I told you again before we got on the air, that most doctors I see at the MGH and the other 50 ones that I see are surprised. I'm alive. You, you and, look, um, yeah. I, I can't even believe that this happened to you only months ago. Yeah. You 20 look. pounds, that's a big... Uh, Hold on. Yeah. So we're back at least for the moment. We'll, we'll keep going and, right. and I can edit that part out. But yeah. um, we had, sorry folks, we had a little technical problem. And uh, unfortunately, we were talking about a lot of good stuff. But you, <laughs> did we finish the thought? on, oh, you talked about Ortiz, I don't know. But then we started talking about your dad. So many people may not know your dad was really one of the architects of the NFL as we know it, right? Former former commissioner, he, he was a longtime commissioner. Um, that's how he sort of winded up his career, right? Well, he and, started off uh, by founding the Philadelphia Eagles. They yeah. were the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. And, and, and I recommend anybody listening to this, I don't get anything out of it, so I'm not pushing some product like ESPN, uh, mm -hmm. that uh, the, his life story is called on any given Sunday. He invented the term. He did. Yeah, not the National Football League, and ironically, my brother owns the rights to that. Oh, wow. And that's why the movie uh, Given Sunday with Al Pacino was not on any given Sunday, because we would have sued them <laughs> if they tried to use that term. Well, uh, they did the... But they used it. That was the name of the movie, right? No, it was called Any Given Sunday. Any Given Sunday, not, not on, on Any... Oh, which, my goodness. Which is, was, wow. was, his, was his term. But they he had founded, some clever lawyers. Yeah. founded the Philadelphia Eagles. That's lawyers. My son's one, so... <laughs> founded the and, Philadelphia Eagles and then um, sold them, and he and Art Rooney became equal partners in the Steelers and then became commissioner in 1946. Well, I have to ask Upton a question just on that same subject, just briefly, because I read something interesting about your dad, that he, you know, he was credited with, um, you, know, uh, you know, being the architect of the marriage between television and, uh, and football. And he oversaw the, what was known at the time, and some still would call it the greatest game ever played. It was the, the championship correct. game, right? And the, the legend was that during the closing moments of the game, and it was won in overtime by the Colts, I want correct. to say? Yeah. Correct. And uh, during the closing moments of the game, someone ran on the field and interrupted play. Yeah. And at the time, it appeared some crazy person just had run on the field. But then it, the word started leaking out that it was actually some low-level NFL official because the, the feed had cut out, the television feed had cut out, right? Is, is well, that true? it wasn't a, a low, a oh. low um, uh, official. It was one at the network. NBC had the championship oh, game, right. and they had lost the picture, and that's when they found out how many people in America, I mean, everybody was going crazy. Here's yeah. this game that's, that's about to go into overtime, and uh, they lost the picture. So they sent uh, a person out there, a low-level person, to delay yeah. the game and chase them off the field and all the other, <laughs> all the other stuff. Wow. I, I was at the game, actually. You I was, were. I oh. was at the three... Uh, greatest games uh, that, that changed the history of the NFL. The 48 game in the snowstorm in Philadelphia that was the first nationally uh, radio game, and then the 58 game, and then I was the personnel director of the Colts when we lost to the Jets in 68, which changed again of the league and the way America looked at the AFL. By the way, so, where's your Super Bowl ring? Did, did you get a Super Bowl ring, Super Bowl uh, You know what, I almost, I actually, I almost lost the Super Bowl ring the night of, of the accident, Jim Browdy had asked me to bring, I only bring it out once a year, it's in a safety deposit box, mm -hmm. and uh, I brought it out, 
uh, to show him on television. You want to see it. Yeah. And in the accident, when I was turned upside yeah. down, the, the ring fell off in the car. Oh, man. And, and luckily enough, somebody went out to the car and found oh, it. Oh, my goodness. So life is luck. You were, so you were, Be an outlier. You were director of personnel, essentially the, the yeah. GM of the Colts. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. did all the drafting. Yeah. Ring had a lucky horseshoe on it, so huh? it's going to come back. Yeah, well, that's right. But the other interesting thing about that ring is, and the reason it's so valuable, is the Colts no longer, the Baltimore Colts no longer exist. Right. That's a collector's item. Yeah. And, and I also have the watch from the 68 Super Bowl uh, when we lost to the Jets and changed football history. Yeah. So... Oh, you were on Shula's staff? That, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was the personnel director yeah, right. during that game, yeah. And, oh, then, oh, and then we won. Shula left the following year, but I stayed till 70 when, uh, when we, we beat the uh, Cowboys in the last few minutes. So wait, we are, we are talking about 69, the, the Joe Willie Namath, right? The well, Jack, it was Jack. played in 69. It was a 68 game. Okay, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So um, I've never asked this of anyone who was, who was at that game. Was it... Um, was it a shocking, uh, I'm sorry to bring up a sad memory, was it a sh- <laughs> shocking of de- a defeat as, as history has regarded it? I, think it? I think it was, and I think it still today is always mentioned. I wasn't surprised uh, because of a few things. One, we Bubank used to be our coach mm-hmm. before Shula, and, he, and he, knew, he knew our offense pretty well. I mm-hmm. mean, Shula came in, he changed some things, but, but other things... He did, he did not. The other thing is when I started looking at the film, I said, this team is better than we think they are. Mm-hmm. With all that said and done, it still should have been, uh, still should have been Emily Rooney's game, but she just walked <laughs> into the room. We just, it's, it's, it's media legend day here well, at, at the Boston Podcast. I, I Emily Rooney just, just entered the studio. I Hi, should, Emily. I should really get down on both knees, <laughs> kiss the feet of Miss Emily Rooney. That's, there's no sarcasm there, okay? It's no, not allowed here, no. okay? Okay. Um, so, um, uh, well, that's just that. So, my my the, the the upset I think of of my lifetime will always be the the Patriots against the Rams in the in '01, mm-hmm. right? And was it that kind? Of, so it was that kind of feeling. I I, the- I would I would say so. In fact, it's funny. Yeah. Dan Shaughnessy, who Emily knows, uh, had called me before that game, and he said, uh, "Who has a better chance?" Of, of winning the the Jets when they beat your team in '68, or or the Patriots. And I said the I, I said like everybody said. So the Patriots have no chance, none. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. I didn't know that they had that spy taking. Oh, stop <laughs> it! Stop so it! Taking a, taking a look at, at that. You know that guy, by the way. Yeah. By the way, who claimed that when they brought him into the league office, and talked to him. A lot of those tapes have been destroyed, just as uh, Spygate. There was another tape with Spygate, and I know we're jumping all around. Oh, it's okay. Let's talk about that. Goodell burned that tape. They what? asked for the... The, the Spygate next, tape? The, the, no, there were three tapes. <laughs> he saw two. Yeah. And the third one he burned, and also the question was asked to him because the deal was that Belichick would write a letter that... that uh, acknowledged that, that he had committed this mortal sin, Infraction. whatever the hell right. that is, and, and that he would readily admit, because Goodell had fined them and said it was him, and Belichick went back on his word. 
he wrote a partial letter but never took responsibility. So when Goodell was asked about a month later about it, you know, because all the lemmings here that, you know, think the Patriots have never done anything wrong, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kept saying they asked Goodell, uh, isn't this kind of ridiculous? Right. Uh, you know, nothing was ever done. He said, believe me when I tell you, Bill Belichick, he made it very clear that the Patriots had broken the rules and were worn way ahead of time. Subsequently, he had destroyed the tape. Yeah. You understand so, that anything bad about the Patriots is going to be edited out by Dave. So yeah, so we want no, to have much of a shot. That, that usually happens with ESP. Are you still <laughs> are you still better for, for uh, Jim Plunkett hitting, hitting Randy Vataha in the fourth quarter of that game in um, 19, uh, geez, I don't remember, 71? First, first, first and foremost, that the, the report in the Globe, yeah. who I threatened to sue, the report that I was angry and, and upset in the press box, was never true, and I called uh, the present guy Joe Sullivan because somebody had written it in a hurry. Are we talking? Are we talking about this? The, yeah, the Vataha yeah. game. So yeah. for the, for those that don't know, because many don't remember, that th what the report was was that you were at odd. You as the GM of the Patriots, the fourth GM of the Patriots, you um, and the report was that the so the head coach John Mazur, yep. that was his name, just passed away a couple of years ago. Um, he that you were unhappy with him you wanted him to get fired and the board said well we'll fire him unless the patriots can beat the colts in the, on the final day of the season now is that are you telling or, me that? no 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 the de the deal was i'm telling you <laughs> we're these were the, these were the crazy days yep. i mean the, these were more fun than what we have now mm. is that basically i said i i don't think your future is with him i i think he's a, a get by guy but the game is changing very quickly, and he still thinks it's Notre Dame and, you know, the Marine Corps yeah. fight song. And I said, it's not going to work over a period of time, which I was right about. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, because they had a board of directors. And I said, you know what, football is not about board of directors. Of course, they didn't like that, but I said, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's a dictatorship. You know, you, you hire somebody to do the job, and if they don't do the job, you fire them. Right. I said, but it shouldn't be up to the vote of the board. Well, you know, we got into all sorts of legalities. So the agreement was that if we were beaten by two touchdowns or better, yeah, they would give me my wish and he would be gone. So okay. that was already out of the picture by the fourth quarter because right. we were in the game. Right. And so when, when uh, Plunkett, which was a big upset, threw a touchdown pass at Randy Vita. Actually, the Colt defender fell down. Uh, Somebody had written years later that that I was seen really upset in the press box, okay. which was not true. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was upset, do you think I'm going to show it in front of everybody else with this deal out there? Right. So that's that's what happened with the, the story, basically. Well, if you had stayed as a GM, we might never have had you in the media, and that would have been the the true loss, uh, I think. I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure it'd be a great loss. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more stories from Upton Bell. This stuff is great. And um, so for all you football heads out there, hope you're enjoying it. Join us on the other side on the Boston Podcast. Hey, this is Chuck Hogan. I'm the author of The Town, and you're listening to the Boston Podcast. Yes! Yeah, 
Thanks for hanging with us on the Boston Podcast. This is your host, David Yaz, and we've been talking with Boston media legend, Boston, you could say sports legend, Upton Bell. Although I got it. You know what? I have to go ahead. No, I was going to say you have a Super Bowl ring. Some people may not realize that. We were talking about it earlier, but um, But from uh, Super Bowl five. the interesting thing is in the the early 90s or mid-90s, I decided to get out of sports full-time and and actually um, spent the last part of my career. I mean, I did sports beat and I did other shows uh, that that would be weekly or something like that, but actually, I decided I had enough of sports. You did I, news, yeah. You did. I, I did did the talk uh, radio, and and actually the the show that I did out at WTAG, three years in a row was cited by the Associated Press as the best talk show in New England. Excellent, yeah. So it was was good to get away from sports because you could then look back on it and not be so deep in it into it that you can't couldn't be even more critical of what goes on. Well, you know, the, the, I, I think the dynamic sometimes is some of the great voices uh, gravitate to sports because it's fun and realize they can do more with it. Many have in this, in this um, you know, in this past couple of decades, right? Uh, Robin Roberts is very good. Right. You know, she, they, right. It was no accident she landed at a higher level than sports because she's just very good at what she does. Keith Olbermann tried it, then went back to sports, I guess, because he got really sick. And now, he, now he's out again, but yeah. I'll tell you the the best combination guy who didn't appear enough, in my opinion, that could do sports, politics, the folk for anybody was Clark Booth at Channel 5. Mm. And Emily Roney would, would, will tell you that. He was incredible. He could do anything. He, he could write like nobody's business when you had to write them out. How many people actually write their own scripts? Right. But, but he was the most talented. He could go out to Fenway Park and, and talk about uh, the Red Sox, but then he could go to Rome and talk about the Pope. He, to me, was the single most talented guy that could do both sides. And he was kind of uh, the guy that I wanted to be, not necessarily on television, but I wanted to leave sports and go into that other world, particularly since I knew enough about him. My, my, my uh, grandfather was the Attorney General of Pennsylvania. My uncle was the Governor of Pennsylvania and also Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. They're, they're on both sides of my family, the Uptons and the Bells. They, they go all the way back. And again, if, if your listeners will go get the book on any given Sunday, which came out about four years ago, you'll see the family tree on both sides. Actually, on my father's side, it goes all the way back to uh, Abraham Lincoln's sub-cabinet. Uh, 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 sub mm-hmm. So many of the Bells were in uh, politics. Mm-hmm. So we would sit around and talk politics. I mean, I met presidents, interviewed presidents, uh, did all sorts of things because of my fascination, actually, with politics. What was your most memorable interview? Um, I would say one, from a TV standpoint, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush in the, in, the, uh, in the White House. It was quite unusual and probably... A, were you in the old office for the interview? Oh, we did it in the uh, Rose Garden. Okay. And uh, he was probably the most human of all politicians I ever met. And it came across that way. The uh, most interesting, even though it was through a computer, was Stephen Hawking. I got lucky. Oh, my goodness. And was able to interview uh, Stephen Hawking through a friend of mine. And then met him when he came here once. Uh, to appear at the Wilbur Theater 
uh, to talk to a, a massive audience, I, uh, I was able to go in and sit with him for a half an hour, wow. talk to him naturally through his computer. Right, right, but, right. But it was an amazing interview. I've, I've interviewed four presidents, 35 or so Pulitzer Prize winners, five Nobel Prize winners, uh, you, you name it, from Hawking to the Dalai Lama to, to presidents. And, and that, to me, was more interesting than any athlete I think I've, I've ever interviewed. Maybe Ted Williams, because he was so interesting in a lot of other subjects. And, and there were a few, but, but mainly the, that outside world that I went to, uh, away from the, as they call it, the candy store, although it's no longer the candy store, because now you have robberies, rapes, mm. wife beating, the whole routine. Mm. Um, so, um, first, uh, Bush the senior, I, I think history has, has treated him well, uh, I think, because you said he's genuine. He, he's, he's probably not regarded as particularly popular or around here. When, when we interviewed Mike Dukakis, he re reminded us of a quote that he had said, which is, um, and it was when George W. was running for president, he said, this is terrible. He said, I owe American apology if I just beat the old man when I had the chance. Maybe the son wouldn't be in it. And then he said, and now we've got a third one we have to worry about. But, um, you know, uh, compared to the modern version of, of Republicans, he, he seems like such a gentleman, right? Well, he's a gentleman, but you got, you got to remember, and, you know, people t tend to uh, knock his presidency down because he only served one term, one term and looked like at, at, at running for the second term that he was tired of the whole thing. You remember this famous scene looking at his looking watch, at his watch and then right. yeah. looking like he was relieved when it was over. But remember, th this guy was, was a congressman he held many, including the CIA's, many of the most important offices in this country's history, and then went on to become president. And and what killed him, of course, was when Ross Perot, that nut, uh, got in the race, and it was a three-way race, and it enabled uh, President Clinton to, to get in. But but uh, he had enough courage; it cost him his presidency. Repeat after me, no new taxes, and then he went back and and changed that. Right. But he did it because he thought it was right. I mean, right. that's the guy served in the war. He was a war hero. I mean, he was all of those things which we will never see again. And yeah. and, and I'm like Emily Rooney, too. I, I don't mourn the past. I'm glad I lived in in a certain era because I saw in sports and politics and music, and in sports talk. I saw what I thought was the best of times. Now it's different, and uh, but I don't mourn it. I'm just glad I lived it. Yeah, it's just of the field, and we can move on in a moment. But um, the field that we look at now, the 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 two dozen people, however many now are running for president. I just I would love the one guy that seems the most genuine is oh my god his now his name is straight out of my mind so he can't have very good name recognition the, on the Democratic side um, what's his name um, the old guy right Bernard <laughs> um, Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders thank yeah. you Bernie Sanders yeah. not so, a chance won't have a chance he doesn't but but at the very least he um, he comes off as informed and serious and and there's not a lot of this uh, phony. You know, uh, yeah. you know, image handlers all around him and all this, and because 
Don't you think that that's it's it's, it's at an all time high? That's sort well, of well, yeah, but 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 everything is um, right. now. It, because and you you touch on a little bit with Emily, mm -hmm. is that basically we live in the, the era of the internet, of the twenty four seven of the of the fast decisions of, of yeah. the of the con men that are that are out there. It's it's all a natural outgrowth of of this this revolution that's changed the way the world thinks, and basically now what's happened. It, it's gone from you have to raise some money now to you can't win unless you're either a billionaire uh, or, or you're able to raise millions of dollars like Hillary Clinton can. Uh, and, and in the case, remember Barack Obama put together the first really great kind of internet uh, um, money raising and the way he put his whole thing together changed as Kennedy changed the way people looked through television and advertising, mm -hmm. the, the presidency, uh, Obama changed it because he went out and while well, uh, McCain and and the second time around Romney, uh, he had beat them all to the internet. Uh, he he yeah. got all of those people yeah. to sign up and change it the the way it now you'll never go back. Right, can't put the toothpaste back in. Yeah. it's too it's too bad. So um, I'm going to switch gears. We were talking about something while the the microphone wasn't rolling here, but um, I am sitting across from the man responsible for the New England Patriots, and when I say that, I mean in a specific way, that they are called the New England Patriots, and so you happily you take credit for that, right, Upton? Tell us, tell well, us that yeah, story. I, I, well, I guess I should, because mm -hmm. in some ways, every time I hear it, I, I think of uh, some of the discussions and problems I had to face to the board of directors. I had to deal besides Billy Sullivan, which was bad enough mm -hmm. as it is, or as it was, was was a board of directors that certain things had to get through. And, and uh, I remember when the first week I arrived here and I saw headlines like the BS Patriots will be moving here and there, and all I can think of is the bullshit Patriots or or Billy Sullivan Patriots, oh, yeah. BS. So, and, and they were is there any chance that he, he did that? Uh, on uh, no, no, I, no, that's one of the few things I don't think he did okay. on purpose. I think he did certain <laughs> things on purpose, but I think he fell into a lot of things and didn't think them out. Yep. And and I said, oh my God, this we've got to do something. So what I did is I put together um, uh, an argument and a, and a paper together for the board of directors and said, look, we're going to be moving to Foxborough. We're midway between Boston and, and Providence, and we're kind of in the middle of Connecticut and then growing out. Mm -hmm. and, and you've got to start really selling season tickets. Plunkett's coming and mm -hmm. some other good things, but let's make it New England's team and see if we can do promotions and draw from all over New England. So mm -hmm. I convinced them to change it to the New England Patriots. Wow. And, and uh, actually, it did work out because, uh, particularly in the beginning, we were getting season tickets and drawing people from all over, you know, you, they, they could identify with the idea, it's New England now, it's not Boston, and, and it's funny because three years ago, they, I was on the uh, Sports Hub with Dan Shaughnessy, and he's the one that wrote the story, he said, are you the guy mm -hmm. that, that um, renamed them the New England Patriots, and I said, yeah, yeah. I'm the guy. It, you know, it, it, it is, um, I don't know if the full extent of your genius occurred to you at the time, but just the fact that half of Connecticut roots for the Patriots, right? right. I mean, just yeah. it's anecdotal, but 
You can, you can, there are lines you can draw, and I've seen polls on ESPN or whatever, that about half of Connecticut is Giants, mainly Giants territory, maybe some Jets scattered in, but mainly Giants, but the other half is Patriots country. I wonder if anyone in Connecticut would have rooted for the Patriots if they continued to be called the Boston I'm, Patriots I'm, or the Bay I'm State I'm not Patriots. sure that they would. Right. Yeah. And Shaughnessy had argued with me on the show. He said, he said, well, you know, that's really disloyal. He said, you know, the Detroit, the Detroit Lions are still Detroit Lions, mm -hmm. and they're out in Pontiac, and they're right. they're going to move or have moved to their new place. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I and I think I said to him, well, look at the fraud of the New York Giants and the New York Jets. Right. I mean, over in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, they yeah. should be the Jersey Jets that's and right. the Jersey Giants <laughs> or Oreos or something because they're not in New York State. Mm -hmm. They're out of state. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that I thought that whole thing out, but I said I better get it done quickly because, you know, people when I got here were making fun of the Patriots. They had finished in last place and Sullivan and the board of directors are talking about, you know, selling it and going to to Memphis and the toilets didn't flush and all of these other things and I said I better get something that is not only respectful but also reflects New England. So. And you know it um, you were prescient because I mean the first of all it, it maybe it's because we're so used to it but the name has an elegance to it it has a rhythm to it Boston Patriots doesn't sound right no. and there and the fact that they're playing Foxborough there is a tension there. The, the, maybe the Lions have it wrong, or, or what have you. But um, you know, to think that 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 you you had that foresight, and then you have now you have Bob Kraft uh, standing up after the after 9/11 and saying, you know, we're all patriots. We're all patriots. Yeah, I mean, it all it all it all tied into my mind. There were two things I wanted to do when I got here. One was to try and and change the image of this franchise, which people had started to think was a joke right and bring it kicking and screaming into the NFL in a different era and the other thing was hiring people because they had essentially no draftings as staff mm -hmm. was to join a, a scouting combine uh, which I belonged to a, at the Colts and also to bring in people that really knew how to draft football players yeah. so well you ushered in the, the the I mean people people think of um, uh, the Parcells Bledsoe and Kraft era as sort of the one that franchise turned the corner, but you turned a corner as well. Like Plunkett and Vataha and company instilled some um, excitement. Finally, you know. In well, Foxborough. remember, remember that first my first year. Yeah. Before I had this uh, falling out with Sullivan and 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 the whole Mazer thing is, we beat we beat uh, the Colts, which I was on the Super Bowl champions yeah. the year before. In Miami. And, and Miami. It throttled them, something yeah. 37 yeah. or 17 or something like that. Yeah, Killed yeah. them here and beat the Raiders on the opening day, who was a finalist for the playoffs. Yeah. I, my, my parents, so I grew up in Sharon, where I live now, and my parents had uh, season tickets from the, the first day the, the stadium in Foxborough opened. And um, what you just said about the, um, the topsy-turvy history of the team, um, I don't know if Ed, anyone's ever written it because I remember hearing an interview with with Will McDonough. With Will yeah, well, McDonough. he knew the full story before yeah, I he, got here. He should have written that book, but yeah. Will, I don't know if he ever really liked writing so much. He loved reporting. He, he was, loved he was, reporting. Yeah. Well, he and I end up doing a show together on Channel Seven. Yeah. Will and Upton. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Oh, I miss him. He was yeah. he was great. Um, but right, it was the the toilets <laughs> flush. And who oh, was was God. it? Buckle Kilroy, who you you hired? I, 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 what, was it? 
was it Bucko who got electrocuted with the microphone? No, no, no. no who was that, that was that was way before me. That oh, was Cleve Rush came oh, here. Okay. And was opening. Right. In fact, at my press conference three years later, mm -hmm. I said uh, I I want to say to you at the very beginning that I, I promised not to get electrocuted today. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because but, it was done at the same place at the Senesta because one of the uh, owners or directors was Paul Soderban who was a on the Senesta. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that the, the sort of rough and tumble beginnings of the Patriots, it, it, maybe it's just a, a revisionist history, but you know I remember going there as, as you know uh, a little kid and it was a little bit of a, compared to other stadiums that were then being constructed, it became regarded as a dump or a glorified right. high school stadium. Right. It wasn't much. We had the benches, you know. But man, it was our place. And to this right. day, I, I, I say, if I had to watch an exciting game, I'd rather watch it in the old stadium than Gillette. Because you're because right on the action. You're right in the action. Gillette yeah. is not a noisy stadium yeah. at all. And sometimes um, fans lament when and, and, uh, if a Patriot says something like, I didn't think the fans were that loud. This has happened. And I want to say you're right because it, I don't know. It's a combination of the crowd became more of a VIP crowd in the, right. the craft era, so there's that. But man, those days! I mean, I remember watching. I've never heard it louder than when you know, um, you know, Steve Grogan, you know, faked the handoff and naked bootlegger on left That's to right. beat the yeah. Dolphins, and just yeah. those were those were. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't have a lot of playoff teams, but when they were good and the moments that they were good, that, there was well, nothing I, more. Exciting. I always I always said. Even though I was not here totally for that year, I always said that the best Patriot team, which you couldn't get today because of free agency, the best Patriot team I ever saw was a 76 team that lost to the Raiders on that, that bogus call. Roughing but the you, but you, But you look at that team. Russ Francis could have been one of the great tight ends if he had really applied himself. But yeah. You you look at, at Stanley Morgan and 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 Russ Francis that offensive line John yeah. Hanna one of the one of the one of the greatest and and the Sam Bam Cunningham and Grogan and it it was Daryl Stingley before he was injured Tim and Fox and Mike Haynes in the Mike back Haynes, yeah yeah and Tim two Fox was uh, two Hall of Fame well Fox wasn't but oh, Fox Haynes. wasn't no, no. Haynes but Haynes Steve was, yeah. uh, Nelson one of the best Nelly yeah you know they're, um, they're, that that was Sugar Bear Hamilton yeah those those <laughs> yeah. teams you couldn't put them all together today because of free agents right so yeah and um, I was talking about someone with this recently and it's been well documented but. Um, the only way for the Boston, the tortured Boston sports fan to recover from 76 was the way we finally did get to recover yeah. and in, um, in 01. Which was pull on them because it was a fumble. I don't care what they say. It well, it, it, yeah. to, to every sports fan, and by the way, everyone in that, were you there that, that night? No, oh, I okay, was so, watching on TV. So I was there. Yep, the last night, um, the last game in the old stadium. Right. And Brady gets hit by uh, Woodson, right? Right. And um, everyone in the stadium knew it was a fumble. If you've watched football for any length of time, that's a fumble. He pumped. He's holding the ball. He gets nailed. The ball pops out. Game over. <laughs> when the referee said his arm was fumbled, and the only thing yeah. that the only thing that sort of saves me as a Patriot fan to defend it is, I I was a fantasy football geek at the time, and I think I had Kurt Warner, and earlier in the season. The exact same thing had happened, but it wasn't that publicized because it was sort of a, a garden variety game. It was a bad rule, 
you know. But anyway, but just just the the I mean that's and again and that's the sort of the bookend to this franchise, which started with just humble beginnings and and just um, quirkiness and everything, and then to have the same team, the Raiders, you know, lose right. on what looks like a real BS call. Yeah, Ben Dreith since has has very uncomfortably sort of come out as being an an, an Al Davis friend. Yes, right? no, that that's right. Uh, that's that he did, he did say that, and I think yeah. on one of the shows, he did kind of admit that he gave them the benefit of the doubt. Ugh, that makes my stomach turn, even though we got our comeuppance. Well, um, Upton, I don't want to keep you here forever, but but I do want uh, just a brief thought on, you, you were a pioneer in, in sports radio, and one of my um, um, ugly habits is that no matter how much I try to totally get off sports radio, I always end up listening. Yeah. And when EEI first um, sort of rebranded and launched as an all-sports um, station, this yeah. must have been um, early 90s, I want to say. Early 90s, yeah. something yeah. like that, yeah. And um, um, I remember you being one of the critics, and you said, they don't have anything to talk about, so they keep talking about the same thing over and over again. And I maintain that you were right all along, and, and that there is a, a problem, they're a victim of their success, Sports radio remains successful from a business standpoint in this market, but I don't think they get it right. I don't. Th I don't think they do. That, like there are certain outfits, like you know, ESPN, as powerful and maybe full of themselves as they are, they have put out some amazing products, amazing right. shows, amazing. Right. You know, um, the fan in New York, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog. Yeah. If you ever you, you hear clips of yeah. back in the day, very entertaining and yeah. just just freewheeling show. Um, what happened here? Well, I, I think a couple of things. One, when, when Lobel and I were, were doing it, and then later on, even on, on television, on, uh, with, our, with our group of Bob Ryan, Lobel, myself, and Joe Fitzgerald on mm -hmm. Sportsbeat, which lasted, God, a lifetime in, in, in this business. A lifetime is 10 minutes in this business, um, and that lasted seven or eight years. But the thing that happened is, in order to pay the huge salaries, See, the most sports shows, we did two hours, and you packed everything into two hours, and what we tried to do is, and one of the things that I convinced Lobel to do was, let's go out and get the newsmakers, not only here, but around the country. In other words, instead of sitting there and talking about runs, right. hits, and errors, or touchdowns, let's get that person on there. Let's, let's talk to somebody who is different. Let's talk to Woody Hayes. Let's... Let's talk to, you know, you, you name it, even David Copay, the first person to admit that he was gay in, in uh, pro football. Let, mm -hmm. let's, let's get people from the Broad Street Police. Let's, yeah. let's do the, um, we had Althea Gibson on. We had the first woman owner who was just put in the Hall of Fame uh, that, that uh, was on the, the uh, black baseball team mm -hmm. in New York, New Jersey. And the whole idea was, that it was a show for not only the sports fan, but to somebody who's just a casual sports fan. But it was quick, it was two hours, it was it. Now it's four hours of the same rehash, and it's back to back to back. If, if you tune in, there's very little difference, the personalities are different, but if you tune in, and Dennis and Callahan in the morning, all the way through to Holly and Dale and Holly and yeah. that, that idiot that they have on with them, the Jerry Thornton, <laughs> yes, yeah. the fan. Yeah. Tell me what's different. Yeah. It's the same subject and the same way over on the Sports Hub. 
Uh, Felger and, and, and Maserati, Felger in particular, uh, because he's so controversial. But basically, what can you say in four hours that you can't say in two hours? But they have to, then they'd have to have two-hour blocks and even pay more people. I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is that the computer has come in and in some cases been great for businesses. But the other thing is I had to do my homework. I had to read, I had to watch it, do everything. Not that these guys don't. But if somebody calls in with a question I didn't know, I better find out. Right. Now you've got the computer in That's front right, of yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, anybody, any idiot can be an expert. Yeah. Any idiot. So that's that's where it's now, a lot of them on the air yeah I mean I think to take an example recent example so there was this story about David Ortiz um, perhaps refusing to play hmm. first base or something okay so that's an item do I want to hear about it um, a little day bit long short. And all night long are you kidding me the it's just not game. that interesting the flake game they've been going yeah. on they've been going on I mean that's the league's fault for carrying out but every yeah. day since since uh, the the yeah, beginning rehashed. of January, where they they've rehashed it, and they open the phone lines and they let people talk about. And there's the same they, people. They gotta yeah, they gotta keep parrot what the story of the day is. Excuse me, it's your show. You you've got um, a remarkable opportunity here. There were there were as Ted Sarandis used to say, there are hundreds of thousands of people listening. Don't you have something to say, caller? And um, instead, they let the topic of the shows be dictated by the callers, and so they. The callers are, you know, uh, they're, they're lemmings and they're, they're parrots. They're, and they're, they're, if you listen enough to the shows, the same people who call well, AI call a sports hub, there might be some some differences there. And again, you know what? Uh, I'm not here to criticize them. They do what they think is going to go in this era. Yeah, I, mean, I, I did what I thought was going to go, and I think could bring it back and, and, and do it and be pretty successful again. If I wanted to, I mean, it just. But I don't want to sit there for four hours and talk about the yeah. same subject. You tune in to be entertained. You tune in. You know, you're you're a passionate sports fan, but that doesn't mean I want to hear over and over again about why you know Big Poppy should shut up and play first base or something. Let's let's actually have a topic. Let's talk about who the greatest first baseman of all time were. Let's talk about you know the best and worst food you've ever had at a stadium let's well, talk let's, about let's the, interview the newsmakers uh, but but i think the other thing that's yeah. that's changed is a lot of other things have gotten into uh, uh, under the name of sports like mm -hmm. politics mm -hmm. and who doesn't like whom and who's stabbing each other in town and the minute I, you know the minute i hear that the minute i hear anything uh, although I think the two guys, Toucher and Rich, are pretty good in the morning. They're funny. They don't advertise themselves really as a total sports show. You know why they're good? They're radio guys. Show yeah, prep yeah, segments, yeah, interesting things, yeah. right? And, and they and they and they're not well, sports guys. But what right. I hear, whether it's Dennis and Callahan and the other guy Minahan, mm -hmm. start arguing among themselves about politics or who kills somebody's dog. You know what they do? I turn it off. Who cares? Yeah. What? Well, I, I, and and. You know, Minahan is a guy who maybe he has a little talent, but he they brought him in to be um, irascible or whatever, and and to be the the contrarian. And as but he's he's way over the top, just it's like it's just always fighting here and there. He got into a big fight with Christian Fourier over nothing, yeah. and well, it, it was, they, it was they, they they will tell you. I mean, I there's something wrong with the guy. I mean, there's yeah. 
he's he's on the edge all the time. But but that's yeah. you, you like a little tension and you like guys going back and forth, but not to the point it's gotten. Well, your model, I think, was the is the way to go. I mean, and your model was, in a manner of speaking, stolen by ESPN when they did the the sports reporters, which, for my money, is still. One of the better shows. It's a half hour. Yeah. yeah. Interesting people. Bob Ryan's a regular yeah, on there. Yeah. Bob Ryan is great at getting out an interesting point in about sixty to ninety seconds, yeah. and then you're done. Move you're on. Done. Let's talk about something different. Yeah, no, no, you know, you're absolutely right, but that's not what it is now. Well, my friend, um, I've taken up too much of your day, but it's it's great to see that that you're healthy. And um, so, what uh, what can we plug for you, Upton? What are you what are you working on? Uh, I, I am working on something. But I, unfortunately, I can't. I will let you know oh, when. Okay. Uh, but in in this case, it's not a sports thing, but it's bigger okay. than anything I've ever done. Oh my goodness! Talk about a teaser. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get so when 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 they're about ready to announce it, I, I will let you know because it it encompasses the thirty nine years I've been in the business. Oh my goodness! It's it's a it's a it's going to be a tremendous project. And you mentioned your son Chris, who who uh, one, your biggest triumph of your entire life up. Then you put a kid through Milton Academy. I know because he was my my classmate. <laughs> That's a, yeah, I, I know uh, Milton Academy, and uh, then he went up to Exeter. Well, he went to Exeter for one year, and then came oh, to Milton Academy right. and went on to Pennsylvania, then went on to Georgetown Law School. My goodness, you must have done something right. Is he, is he, where is he practicing law? He practices himself. He, do, he doesn't like a big firm. He is, he, is he in Boston? Or? He's, he's in uh, Beverly now. Okay. What kind I of mean, law? He lives down there, but, but he practices in the area. What kind of law does he practice? I, I have no idea. Well, if you need a good, honest lawyer, Chris Bell, look him up. Okay. <laughs> right. Thank you, David. <laughs> My pleasure. Talking with um, the great Upton Bell. And Upton, geez, this yes, has been you. such a pleasure. We will have you on again. Uh, I hope you'll join us again. And uh, please join us next time on the Boston Podcast. It'll be tough to top this hour, but we'll do our best next week. And check us out online at thebostonpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. See ya.